Hey everybody, I am Bill Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that you guys that are visiting for the first time are here today. Um, you guys, I'm, I, am, I am pumped about today, about all of us being here together, because I'm confident that God's got something in store for us. I'm confident that he's going to meet us in this place right now, and he's going to go far beyond your expectation for what you were hoping for. And you guys, it has nothing to do with what I've prepared. It has nothing to do with what Becky has done beforehand. It's just that's the way God works. God takes us in this place where we're not expecting anything, and then he says, all right, this is all we've got, and now I'm going to speak into something greater than that. Man, I remember going to church growing up and listening to my parents' eight-track tape of the sound of music on the way to church and go, getting there and, and just not having any expectation at all. And then you get, you get, you get there to church, and, and, and for a lot of, a lot of times, I, 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 I never expected and then didn't even receive anything because I didn't want it. But man, when you're ready and you're saying, all right, what's the Lord got for me today? God takes that and he goes far beyond our expectation with it. And so that's what's cool about right now. And that's what happens when we gather together like this is that, and this is where the stories that we hear, the stories we hear are people that will share something around something that was said in a conversation or something that happened. And you just go, man, I, did not, I, didn't, I didn't think that that's anything that we planned. That's just God meeting you right here and saying, now, this was you and here's where I'm going to take you. That's what's so cool about this. That's the way God does work. I mean, when you look at, at Heather and Justin's story and, you, and you, you hear that story, you just go, man, God, I remember praying for them when they lost their, that baby. I remember praying for them when she got pregnant again. I remember praying, but having kind of this limited expectation. And now when you see them walking through Rock Creek with their little dog, Yogi, and they live up the street from us, and, they, and you see them with their baby, and you just go, man, God takes it, and then he goes far beyond our expectation. So even when you're, when you're in the heart of it, like Becky was saying, you're still struggling in, in something like infertility, and you're going, man, it's, it's this heartbreak, and I wish I had that story. Man, God takes you, and then he meets you there, and then he goes beyond your expectation. And he did that the other night. We had a, we had a women's gathering here and, and Natalie Truman put this gathering together with a bunch of volunteers. They, they all helped make this, this, this thing happen and they took pictures of it. And I loved it when they sent those pictures to us because, because when we looked at them, we're just going, God is going to do something so much more than even what Natalie and that team prepared because that's the way God works. And that's the way he will work today. And that's what's so fun about thinking about it for all of us. It's just going, what's he got in store for you right now? Are you ready to receive that? Are you ready to say, okay, okay, I, I might have came with limited expectation. God, what do you got for me? And how do I take a step closer to you as a result? And that fires me up. That makes me, it just makes me think about a loving God that can't wait to in, engage with you one-on-one -on -one right now. Father, we pray that this would, that, that would happen today. And we pray that, you, that, that your Holy Spirit would work within these chairs and within these rows. And that people, no matter what their expectation was, there might, have been, there might be somebody here that came that, that has zero expectations because they don't even believe in any of this. And God, I know you'll still meet them. And the hounds of heaven will still pursue them. And I pray that they would pursue them right now. 
I pray, Lord, that, that your son's love and grace and mercy, the truth of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us in the, in the, in the cross and his, his, his life and his death and his resurrection, I pray that his, his, his love for us that's poured out on us would be felt by us and that we would hear it and know it and then move with it. And see what that might have for us in, in our day today, in our week, and in our lives. And just God, we thank you that, you that you speak to us and you powerfully move far beyond what we would expect. Do that this morning as we look at your word today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Here's what we're doing, you guys. If you're, if you're new, if this is your first time, we put our, what we call our series. It's a series of, of talks that we do at a, in about a five or six week period of time. And we're in the middle of this series called This Is Us. And what, the reason why we titled it that is, that is that we recognize that we're just a group of people, a, a group of messed up people, a group of people that we're trying to make ends meet. We're trying to figure it all out. We've got all kinds of questions in our life. We're times that we're finding success, but times that we're feeling failure. We have all of that stuff happen in our lives and we're dying for something that we can stand on that will hold us. We're dying for something, a foundation that we can stand on that isn't going to change. It isn't going to be rocked by everything else that rocks us in our life. And so that's us. And what we decided to do is we decided to look at one chapter of one book in the New Testament. It's in, it's in the book of Hebrews, and it's one chapter in there that helps us to build that foundation that will not shake. Watch this. This is what it says right at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. And what we talked about a few weeks ago is it's a confident assurance, not in a religion, not in a spirituality, not in a theology, where it's a confident assurance in a person, in the person of Jesus. And when you put that confident assurance in that person of Jesus, and we stand on that truth, on who he is, that he is who he says he was, and, that, and that he is who he says he is now for us in our life, and then on top of that, we hear his promises for us in our life, then that becomes the foundation that we stand on. Man, that is the cement that is laid, and we stand on it, and we say, this is the one thing that will not be rocked. Everything else around me might be, but this is the one thing that I'm going to stand on and I'm not going to be shaken from it. And so that's Hebrews chapter 11. That's the first verse in it. And then all the rest of chapter 11 is looking at different people, people from the Older Testament that put their faith in the assurance and confidence, that they had assurance and a confidence in God. They put their weight down on that. And so in the midst of their messed up lives, because the men and women that they bring up in, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's some messed up stuff in there. There's, it's very human stuff. We, we would never make the mistake in saying these guys, they were perfect. They were far from perfect. But what they did have was a faith that they were able to stand on something firm and strong. And then they saw powerful things happen in their life. And what we're doing then over this time is we're cherry picking. We're cherry picking those, the, the, the people in, from chapter 11 and we're looking at these different men and women and we're going, all right, what can we learn from them in their unique situations that even added and strengthened their faith? The way I picture it is it's like, it's like a, a, a massive uh, 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 concrete mixer 
Have you ever seen those cement mixers that you put to put the stuff in and then you pour it out and that's the cement that, you're, that hardens and that's what you stand on? I feel like that's what we're doing right now is we're taking these, these, these stories from these people's lives and we're throwing them into the mixer and then we're pouring it out for strong, even stronger faith. So last week when Maurice talked, he talked about faith in the waiting room. Like Becky said, he talked about what it was like to be in the waiting room and waiting on God and waiting on news. And in those moments, our faith can actually grow. And he basically poured a bunch of bag of cement into this mixer and we poured it back out. And hopefully that helps us stand even stronger on the assurance and confidence that we have in Jesus that even in the waiting room of life, in those times that we're constantly waiting, we can have a confident trust in the person we're standing on, the person of Jesus. Now, what we're talking about today is something a little bit different. What we're talking about today is what happens when, when we've got our life, our little circle that is our life. This is me and mine. This is what I control. This is what I take care of. This is what I'm good at sometimes. This is, my, this is me and my life. And what happens when God nudges us, pushes us, challenges us, kicks us in the butt? What happens when God shoves us or, or compels us or pulls us out of this, this kind of, this is my life and I've got it all under control and this is, my, this is what I'm trying to manage? What happens when he pushes us, pushes us into the absurd, pushes us into the crazy, pushes us into the impossible? What happens when he pushes us there and what happens in our faith in this space? I was talking to a friend about this and she said it's like, it's like when you go to Disney and you're, and you're just kind of walking through Disneyland and it's all nice and calm and neat and you're with your family and you're singing the songs and it's all beautiful and sun is shining and then you get in line at Splash Mountain and you get up into the, into the, into the ride and you're just kind of riding through there and they're humming to the song and oh, it's a cute little fun thing and then you get to the hill at the end and all of a sudden it's like, What? I was expecting that. And then you fly down this hill and you're getting soaking wet at the bottom. And now you got to, okay, now I got the rest of the day. I'm soaking wet. Things have changed. Man, this is our life. We're just kind of, we're going along. This week, just go along. And what happens as we go along when God pushes us and nudges us to something that seems crazy to us, but that we do it anyway? And how does he meet us there? I'm talking about the crazy of, of, a, of a 70-year-old woman that decides to sign up for Cuba. And she missed reading uh, 9th John that says oh, people over 70 are not supposed to go on mission trips, you know. She missed that, that, that line. And she's, she's signed up to go on this mission trip. And she's collecting up baseball gear from her son to bring with her to play baseball with these kids in Cuba. I'm talking about that kind of crazy where the people around her just go, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're going to Cuba and you're doing that? What? It's crazy. I'm talking about the absurd of someone that would come walking up to Jim and me three years ago and say, I'm overwhelmed raising my little kids. I'm overwhelmed raising them. And, and, and because I'm so overwhelmed with it, I think we should start a ministry for other moms that are overwhelmed with it. And let's walk with them too. And, she, they, and, and so Natalie and Kim come to us, they say, let's start mops. And you look at them and going, aren't you trying to just, just deal with this? Aren't, this world is hard enough. 
And now you want to start a ministry that all of a sudden 80 to 100 women start coming to. They're going, they're, they're, they also need help too. And you guys are going to be the ones kind of organizing that thing. That's absurd. That's crazy. But for some reason, God was nudging and pushing them in the midst of their own lives to do something outside of it that sometimes might seem impossible. I'm talking about that guy that, that is, is struggling with his finances, trying to figure out how to make ends meet, looks at the budget every, week, every month and is going, I mean, we just keep hitting, going short, and then just feels compelled to go, you know what, i got to start taking care of these homeless people that I keep seeing. And so then he starts making dinners on Saturday nights, and he's giving them out to the homeless people. And you're just going, that doesn't fit my budget, but I'm going to do it anyway. And anybody that was sane would say, that's crazy. And he's going, I can't ignore that this keeps getting pushed into my, I just, I keep getting pushed and this is the direction I got to go. I'm talking about stepping outside of what we're trying to control as much as we can and into a place where God might be doing something that we have no idea. And God might be working on us in ways that we have no idea. And then, and then what can we discover there? We're looking at, in, 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 in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're looking at, at a person that some people might recognize. His name is Noah, okay? Even if you've never been to church, you know Noah. You know Noah is, is, a, is a story of, of, of bo- a big boat and, and a rainbow and giraffes. And giraffes, its heads stick out of the boat. And, and, and they're enjoying this nice view. And then eventually they, they find land. That's the, it's, I don't know how Noah became a kid's story and a kid's story about the zoo. I don't know how it did that. We went to a thrift store and we bought a big old boat. And we said, look, it, it's a bunch of animals. And the kids all love it. I mean, if you really look at the story of Noah, it's very sobering. God, look, God basically looked at what he created and says, I want a do-over. This is not working very well. And he's going, no, I want to save you and your family and, and you know, everybody else. we got to start over. I mean, I, I guess the reason why we've turned it into a zoo story is because if you sit there and tell your kid late at night, let me tell you the story of Noah, and you tell him, yeah, and then everybody dies. Hey, have a good night's sleep and, and you know, no bad dreams. And then, but, but if we, we make a rainbow, then it's all good, you know, so... But, but the part that the writer of Hebrews talks about with this one, the part that the, 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 that writer wants to focus in on is, is really the call that Noah received, is really the, the beginning, is really when, when God first came to Noah and said, here's what I want you to do. Man, you talk about absurd. You talk about a crazy moment. It was this moment that Noah receives the news that he is to build this boat. And that's what the writer of Hebrews focuses in on. Check this out. He says this. He says, by faith. Now, see, look, at, he points out right, of the, right away, by faith, by that confidence and that assurance of God and his voice in his life. Because think about it. God could say something to him and, and he could just go, man, I don't know if that's God. And just ignore it. But by faith, Mo, Noah responded. And Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. I, you guys... 
Sometimes we got to slow down when you're reading the Bible. you got to slow down and really think about why the writer wrote that. Look at how he was stressing something there. Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. I feel like that's the way he wants us to read it. In the middle of dry land. 500 miles from the nearest ocean, he, he wants Noah to build a massive ocean liner. Just, I, I, just do it. God, how are we getting it? To, we don't have trailers. I gotta hook that onto my horse. How are we getting it to the water? And he's going, no, man, just build an ocean liner. Just build one for me. And then he says, he was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. That's super important for us to grab hold of you guys because so many times when we, when we start to sense or feel a nudge or a push from the Lord to step someplace, man, we want to know exactly what it is. We want to know exactly what can happen there. We want to know exactly what the outcome will be, and then we'll step into it. And God's going, man, no, I want you to step into something that you don't know. I want you to step into something where you're going to be desperate for me in the heart of. That's where you're going to discover who I am right there. And so Moses, or Noah, no, not Moses. Moses wasn't on the boat. Noah, Noah he, 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 he acted on what he was told. And the result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. So God knew it was going to happen. Noah did what God told him to do. And the rains did come. And Noah and his family were on the boat. And the, and the, and the, and the animals were on the boat. And here comes the, the dove. And all that stuff happened. And it happened the way God knew it was going to happen. But listen to this, you guys. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. As a result of Noah responding to the unknown, of Noah taking the, the absurd, he actually became intimate with God. He grew closer to God by responding to the nudge. I could just picture those days where Noah is sitting there starting on the hull of the ship. I, to be honest with you, I don't know which side's the hull, but I just say hull because it's a ship word. Uh, he's, he's working on the hull of the ship, and he's, and he's pounding nails into it. Think about those days. Those days where he's just going, am I doing this right? Am I actually doing what God has told me to do? Does this make sense? No. It's crazy. This is foolish. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know how to build a boat. Those days, he was responding to the absurd. And I think what God was doing was God was pressing him. God was pressing him beyond his capacity. See, in this place, we live to our capacity. We live to what we think we can handle. We live to what we think we can do. We have figured this part out. This is as far as I can go. And I even struggle here. And so we live into this capacity. And then God's going, step beyond it because I know you've got it in you. He looks at you and me and he's going, I know you've got it in you. You've got something more in you. He looks at you, you, you that you go, man, not me, not me. i got little faith. He's going, man, you've got something more in you. And I want to stretch you to that place. Because if I can stretch you to that place, you're going to discover me even more. Things are going to get done and you're going to discover me more. And so he's going, I want to push you and stretch you. Now. I, want to, I, want to, I want to have you go beyond your capacity of what you think you can do. And now start doing what, what I know you can do 
through my power. And so he stretches us. He stretches us beyond this kind of, we're just walking around the nice, beautiful sunlight. He's going, come on, step into something. Step into what I have for you. There's a passage in the, in the Old Testament in Proverbs that lots of people focus on when it, comes to thing, when it comes to the need for comfort in their life. It's one of the ones I memorized back in college. and it's, It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. That's a passage that, that, that everyone should know. You should have this one memorized. If you haven't memorized any passage, memorize this one. Memorize Jesus wept, because that's the shortest one. Um, and so then you say, gosh, I got a passage memorized. Then go to this one. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. That's a passage that tells anybody, no matter what your situation, trust in him. Even though your understanding says things aren't going well, trust in him. Trust in him. Lean on, don't lean on your understanding, but lean on him and he'll make your path straight. Man, that's a good passage for all of us to know. That's a comfort passage. That's a survival passage. It helps us survive when things are hard. But you know, I was thinking recently about this passage. I'm going, what if it's not only a comfort and a, and a, 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 a survival passage, what if it's a kick your butt passage? What if it's a passage that tells us God's saying, man, I'm, I'm telling you step out of, of just this, this me and my. Step out of that. Come on. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust me that, there's the, that, that it's okay to step into the absurd. It's okay to step into the unknown. It's okay to step into the impossible. Trust me. Trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Your understanding says I don't have the time. Your understanding says, I don't have the money. Your understanding says, I don't have the resources. I don't have the talent. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the ability. All of those things is, is, my, is my answer to God saying, come on, let's do this. My answer is, ah, that doesn't make sense. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him out here. Know that I'm not alone. I'm stepping into this. And he will make straight your paths. What if it's kicking our butt to actually move and to step into that? Now, here's the deal. I think that for many of us, the thing that holds us back isn't as much that we're struggling in our ability, isn't as much that we have the excuse that I don't have the time or the money or the resource to do it. It's that I don't know if I trust the voice of God. Noah had the voice of God speaking to him. Noah, build a boat. Now, now. Jim should be the one doing that because I think Jim's voice sounds more like God's than mine does. Uh, but God spoke directly to Noah. And we don't hear that voice, or many of us don't. Some of you do. Some of you hear God's voice very clearly. Man, I, I, I wish I could do it. I could hear it like that. But we don't hear his voice, and so we don't respond because we're just going, I don't know what God's voice is, and I don't trust that, and so I don't trust his voice, and I'm not going to respond. I was listening to a guy named Irma McManus, a pastor down in Southern California, talk about this. And he says, he says, you know what? When your heart lines up with God's heart, the things that are resting on your heart are the th is God's voice. When your heart starts to, to blow up after something, when, you start to, when it starts to expand after something, when you start to feel more concern than you ever thought you did over something, when you start to feel more compassion over something, when, you're, when your love is pouring out over something, when that stuff's happening, that's God. 
God's heart lining up with your heart, and that's his voice lining up with you. And he's going, we got to respond to that, but we don't. We hear that, and we just go, oh, that's, that's hard. And, and then we give him the, we give the, you know, thoughts and prayers are with you. My thoughts and prayers are with it. Erwin Manis talks about that, and he says, you know, sometimes when we say that, as much as it's great that thoughts and prayers go towards something, he says sometimes that's just abdicating our responsibility to step out into the unknown. And I thought, wow, that's, that's hitting, that's cutting right to the core for me. Because how many times will I be sitting in this place and I'll just go, hey, you know, that's, that's hard. Oh, that's, that's hurting. And I'm just going to, well, I'll just, I'll just pray for you. And I am not saying that prayer is not, is it, prayer is powerful. But sometimes God's saying, are you ready to step out into this, into what we got, what do we got to do? Are we ready to do that? And so, so when he, he can speak to us, when our hearts are bursting after something. When you watch the news and something hits you hard in the news and you don't know why you can't shake it, that might be God's voice. Did you guys hear what happened at the, at the Starbucks in Philly? When two African-American guys walked into that Starbucks and sat down and waited for a business meeting to happen and somebody saw it and thought they were loitering and called the police and had them escorted off of the property because they thought they were loitering because it was two African-Americans in a Starbucks? When you hear that and your heart is bursting, when you hear that and you're going, man, it just kills me. The, 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 the oppression that the African-American continues to face in America is so stinking frustrating to me. And you're going, I can't shake that. When you sit there and go, my black brothers and sisters have to still deal with things that I don't have to deal with. If that's bugging you to the core, do you suppose that's the Lord speaking to you? Because it's speaking right to the gospel, right to the gospel of, 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 our, of, the, of the fact that we are all created equal, the fact that we are to love each other. That is the heart of the gospel. And if that's speaking to you, maybe God is saying, step out then. Step out. It's impossible. What can I do in Louisville, Colorado? As in Philly, step out and explore. And you start to see things. You start going, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And how am I responding this way? And it's because now all of a sudden you're in a place that you never thought you would be. And you've stepped out of our little me and my circle. And now you're in a place where you're going, okay, what can I do to make a difference here? You're driving up on the 36 and you see a homeless man on the roundabout up there and you, and you drive in and you're just passing by and you drive into 30, on 36 into Boulder, but you can't shake it. You can't shake his face. You can't shake what he's, what, his sign and what it said. And you're wondering why and you're going, man, I just got to get that image out of my head and it won't get out of your head. Maybe that's God speaking to you or I think it is God speaking to you. Step out. Well, what's that mean? Start. Start, explore it, figure out what the, where that's going to go. Maybe that leads you to Sister Carmen. Maybe that leads you to lead something around here. But start. When you, when you, go, into, into, you go into, into Boulder and you drive by University of Colorado and you look at those college students on campus and you start thinking back at your experience in college and you're going, man, I remember when, when I, was, I, I was on those, that, that campus or I was on campus and I was struggling with my, with my, with my, uh, with my body image and I had an eating disorder. And you, you think about those types of things. I remember when my parents were putting all kinds of pressure on me. I remember how hard that was. Man, that's God laying something on you. He's saying, step out. Well, what can I do? Step out. 
You start thinking, wait a minute, there's about 150 to 200 college students that call Ascent Church their home church. Maybe I should start, maybe I should start doing something with them. You drive by a middle school and you see a bunch of middle schoolers out there. And you go, they are crazy. Those kids are crazy. And then you go, oh, crap, God might be calling me to do something with them. I don't want to do something with middle schoolers. And you come back and you go, they, I'll, give me, I'll give you 400 reasons why not to. And then God's going, oh, come on. And you go, you know what? You're right. And you step out and you discover and you walk in and you go sit and talk to Chris Lagadros. And you go, Chris, you don't happen to have any need, do you? And you start seeing him salivate at the, desire, at the chance of a leader actually coming in to invest in the life of a middle school kid. And you're going, oh, geez, you do need somebody, darn it. Well, you stepped out into, into crazy. And that's crazy. You stepped out into absurd. You stepped out into impossible. And that is what God is calling each one of us to do to go beyond our excuses, to go beyond our world, and to step into something you just go, oh, I don't want to do this, but you do. And man, see how God responds. And see how close you get to him when you do it. You guys, I, um, I'm going to take a little tangent here. I rarely do this, but I'm going to today. Um, when I work out, I, I've told you guys this before. I, when I work out, I'm not down there lifting all the free weights with all the other dudes. I am on a treadmill with a 15-degree incline walking. That's what I do. My knee and my back just allows me just to walk on a treadmill. And so I change the intervals, and I walk on this treadmill for an hour, one hour every day walking on a 15-degree incline on a treadmill. It is the worst workout of all time. I hate it. I hate working out. But I do it every day. I'll go in there and I'll do that. I will sweat like crazy. I'm sweating all over the machine. It's embarrassing. It's on the floor. It's on the screen in front of me. It's, I got sweat everywhere. I clean it up afterwards. I put a towel and clean it up. But it's still sweat, still there, you know. It's, it's gross and it's embarrassing. But I'm, I'm, I hate it. Every once in a while, I'll just be, it'll be so hard that I'll just put on this one soundtrack and it gets me through. And the soundtrack, I know it's going to sound, it's going to sound super manly of me. Uh, I, I turn on um, The Greatest Showman, and I start listening to that music, man, and it fires me up. I get going on there, and I'm like, I was at Snap Fitness before it went out of business, and I, no one else is in there, and I'm screaming out the songs. I'm like, yeah, you know, screaming and walking up this stupid treadmill, screaming at the show, thinking there's got to be some camera somewhere that's going to film me. I'm going to get five million hits on YouTube for it, you know, so I'm, I'm walking, and I'm, it's hard, and this one song, the, the first song on the soundtrack, The Greatest Show, there's a part to it that, oh my gosh, I, I, I just just turn up the treadmill as fast as it'll go. I mean, you might as well put a 25 incline. I'll just keep right on rolling. It's this part of this song. I'm going to play it now. And I'm going to play it nice and loud because this is the way. And look, if you, if you older folks, if you go, oh, that's too loud. It's not my fault you were listening to Led Zeppelin and it blew your ears out in the 70s. That's not my fault. We're going to listen to it the way I listen to it. So listen to this. This is how I listen. To it. This is it. So I'm walking, and I'm hearing this. 
screams. I'm screaming with her, man. This is where I want to be. That's right. Sweat's dropping everywhere. It's terrible. Not to get over spiritual on you guys, but this is the life of a pastor. But when I listen to that, all I think about is God just going, bro, you got more to life than this. Step out. You step out of this. Put yourself in a place that just will, will stretch you like crazy and see what I can do. And I remember back when I was in, in, in Seattle and, and I'm in this apartment, it's Wallingford and, and it's a nice little neighborhood in the university district. And I remember uh, the, the, this moment where I was working with our college students at the University of Washington and we heard about this tutoring experience in the inner city. And I remember Jackie and I going down the inner city and the projects in Seattle and we're sitting there with Pastor Richard and he's telling us about the tutoring program down there. And I remember listening to him and all I'm doing is looking around the, the place He's telling us about how we can get college students involved, and I'm just looking around the place, and I'm thinking about my time in Philly, because I spent some time in the projects in Philly, and how unbelievable that was for me in my life, and how much it shaped me, and I remember listening to this guy talk about this stuff, and oh my gosh, did I feel a nudge. Did God just want to just push me out of the nest and say, come on, man, you got to fly now. You got to fly on this. And, he, and, and I remember thinking that, and I went back to Jackie, and I said, Jackie, I think we got to move into the inner city. I think we got to move. And I'm sitting there going, I, is she going to throw something at me, you know? She, Are you crazy? You know, we're trying to have a baby. We're just married. And, and, and she, she says, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> so I knew this was coming. She said, let's do it. And we packed up, and we moved into the inner city in Seattle. And oh, my gosh, it was crazy. It was absurd, but in the middle of crazy and absurd, God met me, man, and it was some great time with me and the Lord. You guys, I would not call myself a super faithful guy. I have ignored the nudge way more than I've ever responded to the nudge. God has pushed me and pulled me and, and prodded me to do and to step out, and so many times I've just given the excuse after excuse and going, I don't want to. But every once in a while, I've stepped into that. And when I have, man, has the Lord made himself known to me. And man, have I got to see him. Now, the problem with that soundtrack that I was listening to is that the rest of the soundtrack says things like this. It says, it says, they can say, they can say it all sounds crazy. They can say I've lost my mind, which is true. And then they says, it feels impossible. It's not impossible. It is impossible. Say that it's possible. And I'm sitting there going, this is where I, where I lose some of that inspiration. This is where I stumble on the treadmill. This is where I fall forward and I grab onto the bar in front of me. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, yeah, see, this is what happens. We stand there and we go, it's impossible and it's crazy. And so I can't respond. But you guys know who was called Crazy. Jesus was called crazy. A number of times Jesus was called crazy. Look what it says in Mark chapter 3. It says this. It says, Then Jesus went home, but again a large crowd gathered there. There were so many people that he and his followers could not eat. His family heard about all these things. They went to get him because people said he was crazy. This wasn't the Roman soldiers. This wasn't the Jewish leaders. These were friends. They were calling him crazy. Because what he was doing was absurd. The son of God 
dying for us, for people 2,000 years later? That's crazy. Francis Chan calls that a crazy love. And that's what Jesus has done for us. I love what Shane Claiborne says about this in The Irresistible Revolution. He says, he says, we need more fools, holy fools, who insist that the folly of the cross is wiser than any human power, and the world may call us crazy. Are you ready to be called crazy for the thing that you might do? To step out with a neighbor and actually talk to them about your faith. And you go, oh my gosh, that would be crazy. They're going to look at me as crazy. To step into the need, to respond where God is nudging you to respond, to do something that seems like I have no ability to do it, but to do it anyway. To spend time mentoring someone, you're going, my life's already messed up too, but I'm going to still mentor somebody. Are you ready to step out in your workplace, in, in your, in your, on the team that you're on, in the, in the school that you're at? Are you ready to step out into the crazy and into the impossible? See, we say it's impossible, but you guys get this really quick. Okay, I got to tell you this. What's the most impossible thing you see in the Bible with Jesus and his disciples? You know what it is for me? When they fed 5,000. When 5,000 people are sitting there needing food and here comes Jesus with, with two lo two, five loaves of bread and two fish, or the disciples do. They have five loaves of bread and two fish and they go, oh my gosh, Jesus, this is not enough. We don't have enough to feed 5,000 people. And everyone titles, the, 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 you see it in the Bible, it's titled, this is when Jesus fed the 5,000. But you know what? That's wrong. You know who actually fed the 5,000? The disciples did. Here's how it went. They had their little bit. They handed it to Jesus. Jesus takes it, transforms it, gives it back to them. He doesn't feed them. He doesn't say, okay, everyone line up here because watch this. They gave me a loaf of bread and I'm just going to pass it out. He gave it back to his disciples and they fed everybody. He, he's saying, look, I'll take your meager little bit. You have no ability. You have no, you have no means. You have no intelligence to do it. You, that's what you say. I'm taking that. And I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to transform it. I'm going to give it back to you and you're going to do it. Man, that's... Jim and I have gotten to see that here at this church. You talk about two people who have no business being pastors. That's me and Jim. And we're just going, the two of us are up there, and we got nothing, man. We're going, I got nothing for these people. I got a, 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 a loaf of bread. That's what we got. And God's going, give it to me. And let me transform it. And I'll give it back. And now, impossible is made possible. That's what he's saying to all of us. Don't be held back by crazy don't be held back by impossible. Step into that. Step into it. Because that's where I am. And if you fail, stand back up again. And Peter failed. He said, come on. Do you love me? Yeah. All right, let's keep doing this. We can't worry about that. If we fear... You fear stepping into those places? That's okay. Because in the midst of that fear, Jesus meets us. When those disciples were on that boat and they were walking and Jesus walked out on the storm, that's absurd. That's crazy. They thought he was a ghost. They were fearful. 
And he says, take courage. It is I. And he's looking at us and he's going, take courage. It is I. Step out of our little circle. Take courage. It is I. And in the end, as we put our weight down on the confidence and the assurance of that person, Jesus, that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. As we do that and step out into the absurd, and he starts having us build a ship with no water anywhere around us. And we think this is gonna be impossible. He's going, now I have you right where I want you. Now you will see me. We can grow closer from this place. But we have to answer a question. Are you ready and willing to respond to the nudge and the push and the call from the Lord to say, step into this through the power of Jesus Christ into the absurd, absurd, crazy, impossible call of God. He knows we each have more in us and he wants us to live into that capacity. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to, to, to find what that is and to take that first step. We know, Lord, that the first step is the hardest step because it seems so hard and it seems so impossible and we don't know what it is. God, I pray that when we get that nudge, when we get that push, when we feel that call, when we hear it, God, I pray that you would help us to take one small step forward. Exploration one bit of movement, one thing we can grab hold of. Help us to take that one step because I know, Lord, that one will lead to a second and to a third. I pray that you would lay that on our hearts because I know, Lord, that every one of us have more in us, have the capacity for something more. I pray, Lord, that you stretch us into those places where we can make a difference and at the same time grow closer in our relationship with you. Help us, Lord, in doing that and building this firm foundation that we can stand on and the truth of who you are. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing one last song.